This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. We are, of course, in a moment with uh, interest rates that have gone up significantly. We're in a high inflation environment as well. Over the last 24 hours, we've learned of a major Vancouver development company, which is seeking creditor protection. Uh, Cormandel Properties has a pretty big portfolio of unfinished uh, real estate projects in this city. They are seeking creditor protection. They say they have 700 million dollars in outstanding debt. They have a pretty significant portfolio, 16 active real estate projects uh, reported this morning by the Vancouver Sun, all located within Vancouver. Uh, they have a lot of projects along the Canby Corridor, including uh, Oak Ridge. Now, their whole their whole portfolio, uh, some of it's obviously in the early stages of planning, others are is in the process of, of being built. Some of it's social housing, some of it's rental, some of it's condominium. But in total, there's 2,000 units, significant amount uh, of units there. Uh, and former Vancouver City Council Raymond Louie is the Chief Operating Officer of Cormandel. So what does this mean? How does a company get into this type of trouble? It, I can simplify it and say, hey, it's high interest rates, uh, it's the environment that we're in, high debt load that they're carrying. But, you know, managing these companies, any development company, takes a lot of patience and, and a lot of work. Our next guest has a sense of what I'm talking about is Michael Geller. He's president of the Geller Group. He's an architect, he's a planner, planner and he's a real estate consultant as well. Michael, thank you for joining us. It's my pleasure. Uh, walk me through this. Uh, how big of a deal is this in your mind in regards to Cormandel seeking creditor protection? Well, I think it is a big deal, Jazz. I heard you say to Chris Galis that hopefully this is a one-off, but I, I'll be surprised if it is a one-off because I think there are a number of other companies that, like Cormandel, have grown quite quickly as uh, you mentioned earlier, took on a lot of debt because interest rates were so low. It seemed a shame not to be borrowing money and going out and buying properties. And uh, But eventually, uh, you reach a stage where if you don't get the approvals in time, and one of the reasons that uh, Coromandel has identified to the court that they're in this position is because a lot of their approvals have taken much longer than expected, combined with the higher interest rates. Uh, companies eventually, especially when they grow quickly, find themselves in this situation. And I must confess, I can relate to it, because 40 years ago, mm-hmm. I was an employee of a company called NARAD. And some of your listeners will remember NARAD Developments, an established development and construction company and we actually ended up going under now at the time interest rates on many of our loans were 22 percent and it was just uh, impossible the only other thing i'd say quickly is well i suspect some people are almost rejoicing when they read about a big developer going broke or getting into trouble seeking court protection the reality is a lot of very small people are going to get hurt by this There's lots of uh, suppliers, architects, uh, construction workers, as you noted, potential buyers who are all going to be affected. And so that's why I think it is a big deal. Uh, We'll get to the issue of um, sometimes people scapegoating developers. 
but the issue of a company like this would have finance people and and, and walk me through this. Uh, when you have a company this size, you're going to have projects in, in sort of a different stages. Some are an early stage where you're just planning the project where you haven't even filed something with, with the city. The city itself uh, will take time even if you've entered, uh, you know, brought forward a project. There's a public engagement as well along the way. Walk me through what it's like managing companies of, of this sort in regards to projects that are moving at different speeds and will be developed at different times as well. There's no doubt that companies make applications. And I mean, one of the ironies about this particular company, as was noted, uh, Raymond Louis, a longtime city councillor, well-respected uh, member of the Vancouver community, um, chief operating officer of the company, you'd like to think that his presence in that company would have helped them get approvals from City Hall, you know, in a speedy way or certainly faster way. But unfortunately, I know that a lot of their applications have been held up. And partially, this is related to COVID. There's no doubt, and I've been looking at a number of pieces of correspondence where city staff have been apologizing to people seeking applications saying because of COVID, uh, we're understaffed, we're not able to deal with your application as quickly. I think that has definitely been a factor as well in this case. But the nature of being a developer is you're generally optimistic. You always want to believe that uh, you are going to get that approval and the climate is going to improve and so forth. But in this particular company's case, it's really only been active for 10 years And as you noted, to have 16 projects with 2,000 units is quite a significant portfolio. And I suspect there's some people listening to us saying part of their problem was they just grew too quickly. Yeah. Took on too much debt. Let's talk about the consumer for a second. I was uh, just reading the uh, Globe and Mail yesterday, and they have a real estate section there. And I'm always interested in in what's sold, what hasn't sold, what they put it on the market. (laughs) I always find those kind of personal stories quite interesting. And I saw a couple of properties uh, yesterday in the Toronto market, mind you, uh, that uh, were purchased not too long ago, and they all sold under what the original owners purchased them for, either a year ago or three or four years ago. That, to me, speaks to the tremendous amount of stress people are, certain uh, uh, certain folks are, whether it's their first time buying or maybe they're investors, but there seems to be, and maybe it's anecdotal at this point, but we are seeing more and more of these stories or certainly hearing that people are stressed. And, and are you getting a sense that we're going to see more bankruptcies this year, or people seeking creditor protection, or do you think Canadians generally will be able to weather through this the next four to six months? I don't want to pretend I have the full answer, but what I think you will see or what we will see is a lot of people who purchased pre-sale condominiums two, three years ago at prices that today are about 20% higher than what the units would be worth today. The other thing is the interest rates are much higher. And so when they go to try and get mortgages, to to purchase those units to close as they're completed, they're going to have real difficulty. And I do expect quite a few investors to be in that situation. As we've heard, homeowners who took out exceptionally large mortgages and are now seeing uh, on a variable rate mortgage, 
and seeing interest rates rising, and they're now the monthly payments aren't even covering the interest, they're also going to suffer. But I think homeowners, generally speaking, will be in a better shape than all of these investors because homeowners will probably make other sacrifices before they lose their home. But there's no doubt that a lot of development companies um, have been so used to good times. And indeed, a lot of the people I meet in the development community, I mean, they weren't even born in 1983 when quite a significant number of Vancouver developers went under. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've never really known (laughs) this notion that values might go down. And uh, and so that's the problem. And I think you raise a very good point. And when we talk about the mom and pop investor, there are people who should never have become investors. What I mean by that, they've just seen gains in the last 10 or 15 years or so and think everything's going to go up all the time. And now you've hit this inflection point in history where uh, there is a fundamental correction and they're hurting. And uh, and I guess the argument at its core is that, as I said, some people should just never have become investors. But what happened is so many people were making so much money five years ago buying pre-sale condominium units and never actually expecting to have to buy them. And I don't know if you remember when you were at school or some of your listeners will, we used to have chain letters in high school. And <laughs> you would give, you get a letter, I don't know if you know this concept, maybe it's an Ontario concept, but you know, you send somebody a bottle at the bottom of the list and you put your name on the list and over time you'll eventually get 35 bottles. <laughs> But the the idea was that, you know, you always hoped that uh, it all worked out. That The problem with a lot of the investors buying pre-sale, they actually were buying them with the intention of never closing, but simply assigning their interest when it had gone up. And uh, that that was very much a part of the development community. And uh, last week, I think we chatted briefly about the fact that a lot of these projects were, in fact, designed and sold primarily to investors, because that was also part of the real estate scene here. Michael, thanks for your time today. Anytime.